0: Welcome to the Smut and Spice podcast, where we're living vicariously through the female main characters in reverse harems, dark romances, paranormal romances, and bully romances. We're your hosts, Sam and Ashley. In this week's episode, we'll be celebrating our fifth episode by interviewing author Grace McGinty. Her works include the Dark River Days series, The Damnation Motorcycle Club, The Redeemable series, and her latest book, Rebels and Runaways. Be warned, this episode may contain spoilers and explicit content that is inappropriate for those under 18. The show is not for children.
1: Welcome, Grace. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're so happy to have you.
2: Thank you for having me. Congrats on the fifth episode. The show's amazing. I love it. I listen to it every week, so. Oh, that's so sweet. We're we're really enjoying ourselves. It sounds like you're having fun.
1: It's it's amazing to me that we've been able to put this together for five episodes and put the work in. It was just something that Ashley and I thought would be a fun idea, and then suddenly we're really doing the damn thing.
2: <laughs> no, you're doing a great job. Uh, oh, sorry. Um, I was doing my covers with my cover artists the other day, and we were listening to your podcast in the background, and I was just, I don't know, it's like being there in the room with you. We're like, what? you know you guys talked up lucius so much how can he rank so low it was was (laughs) a great time
1: (laughs) i love lucius literally one of my favorite characters but when i'm like thinking of the harem rankings i'm like thinking about how they interact with rain so it was like lucius and Rain just don't have as much time together as the other guys do
0: that's how i felt too and i loved in rebels and runaways when we got to like see more of lucius and see that other side of him so if, if you know our listeners haven't read that i definitely would recommend it
1: dad lucius is best lucius
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes
2: he really is he's great um it, i i understand him ranking so low because if i was deciding who i wanted in a harem you know this psychotic old guy not <laughs> exactly who i'd want to wake up to every morning but yeah as a parent he's kind of interesting he um I really like the depth it brought in like Rebels and Runaways with the kids. It's, yeah, it's been fun. I
1: it's love like how his protective nature, like we knew he was protective over rain. Like we saw that in uh, book three, especially, but I love how it translates to how he is with the kids and how he treats uh, the people that they end up in relationships with. And then the other people that they run into in the book. I, I just love how it kind of colors all of his interactions.
2: It was hard not to um, to bring the Dark River characters into Rebels and Runaways more to let the kids shine in their own story. Because the whole time I'm like, well, what it would happen if I added X and Lucius in this scene? You know, if they just walked in, it's just so it was really hard to keep them in their box. But you know, I, the, my you know existing readers absolutely loved it. So, and I loved writing it. It was I did the whole thing with a grin on my face. So it's been wonderful.
1: I especially loved the little glimpses we got of all of the Dark River days so I can completely imagine how difficult it was for you to not include them some more
0: and I totally loved the gritty feel like I thought that it was just I don't know sometimes Dark River like had more of a like fuzzy feeling for me where Rebels and Runaways there's definitely some moments that are a little more um, gritty and difficult to get through yeah um
2: Dark River was my well my fluffy series I guess in as much as you know it kind of like it was a cozy mystery feel and that's when I started Newly Undead that's what I was going for that cozy mystery kind of Gilmore Girls meets um uh I've lost it now True Blood kind of feel you know what I mean that kind of small town yeah so um when I did Rebels, I had to pull in all the other kind of plot lines from all the other uh, stories which are a lot grittier. So it kind of just ended up being
1: a little bit more intense than Dark River was. I enjoyed it. It felt like a little bit of a change of pace. I still need to read all of your other series, but I really enjoyed the peek into what those worlds are going to be like before I've gone and read them. So I'm looking forward to reading, especially the Damnation Motorcycle Club. I think that's Right up my alley. Uh, same. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, the, the Damnation was really fun to write. Um, it actually came about because it was a spin off of um, the Hell's Redemption series, which is what the Redeemable series is. It's kind of the first book and then the second book and the third book. And it follows the same family, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I had this one random character, just a random side character who is just a plot device. And I finished the book and then I got kept getting all these emails about like what it, but what about serendipity story? What happened with serendipity? I need to know what happened with serendipity. I'm like, guys, I, yeah, <laughs> I have other plans, but here we are. So it's, it's really fun. And like you've got the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse and Luke, which Lucifer, the devil. And it's a whole thing. And yeah, it's, it's interesting. And I swear a lot, like there is, 720 F words just in the first book and I'm like gosh I hope my mother never reads this yes.
0: wow that's like a normal day for me I know right <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh who counted them that's
1: what I want to know who counted all the F words <laughs> I, I had made one of my beta
2: readers do it like with, with the derivatives you know? you know so you got the, the F and then you got like all the general motherfuckers and all that kind of thing in it but um I did it as a game on release day and like you know hey do you guys do um jelly bean jars where you have to count the amount of guess the amount of jelly beans in the jar uh-huh yes. The yes. estimation games yeah so I did that but with the word with the f word and so it was like you had to guess how many was in it before release day it's the things we do to try and keep people entertained <laughs>
1: I, oh, think I think that, that sounds fans like a fantastic idea <laughs> All right, Ash, do you want to jump into your first question?
0: Absolutely. Um, So obviously, um, you know, from what you said, I feel like you're a pretty avid listener. Um, Did you enjoy the episode we did on Dark River? Did you feel like we did your series justice? Uh, You know, I absolutely loved it. It's it's a
2: bit of a trip listening to someone talk about your book for an hour and a half. Like, I went into it thinking, oh my God, this is going to be like horrific but I just you know it was really interesting to see what you guys got out of it and like if you picked up the tiny little things that I pepper through it and hope people you know kind of embrace but uh, yeah no I really loved it I had a great time except for the baseball
1: good lord <laughs> the baseball <laughs> That's just oh the baseball. That was our first fan email. I had I took a screenshot of it when I saw it came through and sent it to Ashley. We had a fan find our podcast email in the description and send us clarification of why it was the baseball, and I very much appreciated that. So thank you to that fan. Yes, (laughs) no, uh, yeah.
2: Australians are funny. We say we will go to the football and or watch the cricket on TV. So like it didn't even occur to me that that would be one of those strange nuances between American English and Australian English. Like, I get in trouble for things like car parks and cheese toasties, which are parking lots and grilled cheese. Like, (laughs) I know these things. But the baseball didn't even occur to me, and I have gotten so many emails and so many bad reviews
1: about it. It's so funny. Oh, my goodness. I can't imagine giving you a bad review over the baseball.
0: (laughs) I know. Uh, Of all the things...
2: I know I I I guess it's one of those moments that it kind of just jars you out of the story so I understand it but the baseball will forever be
0: my Achilles heel (laughs) (laughs) it curses her from this day forward (laughs) um that kind of brings us into another one of my questions so how is it writing a book with a Canadian setting as an Australian? Like, have you ever been to Canada or did you do any research like before?
2: Oh, no, I, um, I've i never been to Canada or the US, surprisingly enough, but not surprisingly. Um, I, me and Google Maps, I guess, are like best friends. And so before <laughs> I, if I'm setting a ta- um, a story in a town that exists, I will literally go on street view and walk my way up and down the streets basically um so i get a feel for the idea and what the houses look like and what the town looks like and you know the businesses are there Um, otherwise i just make up a town and like i did with dark river and you know it can be anything then no one's going to be like well no, no one's going to be
1: fact-checking you on your made-up <laughs>
2: right? Yeah, it happens. You'd be surprised. Um, and if, <laughs> if I'm talking about other cities and places like that around it, I, I usually don't go into very much detail. I leave it very general because some things are the same everywhere except pedestrian lights. I did have someone um, email me and tell me that pedestrian lights in Canada are not green. And I'm like, well, Okay. Wow, there must be like the only place.
1: Well, our pedestrian lights aren't green either. Ours are white.
2: I see, as a green and red. Like, it's green to go and red to stop.
0: I get a little walking
1: person that pops up. No, no.
0: Like, does she mean like pedestrian, like for like, you know, actual pedestrians or like your lights when you're driving?
1: That'd be a stoplight, not a pedestrian light.
2: No, no, I mean, yeah, for like, if you're standing there as a pedestrian waiting to cross the road, ours are red
0: and green. Oh. Yeah, and, they
2: make, and they make a little noise. Um,
1: oh, ours so our, do that, our too. Our
0: traffic lights are red and green, but our yeah our pedestrian lights are white with, like, a little, like, walk, like, sign, emoji. I don't know what you would... Icon. <laughs> Definitely not an emoji. <laughs>
2: uh, no, so I, there's, there's little things that change, and, and the problem is that no matter where you are in the u.s especially everything is different the things you name things are different the you know like the difference between soda and pop and everything (laughs) has a different colloquial name and it just it makes it difficult as an outsider but i have i try to find beta readers from or arc readers from all the different places that i will mention it in a in a book and get them to proof it basically like does this actually happen is this a would this happen in this place?
1: Yeah, that sounds like a good plan. I couldn't imagine trying to write a story that takes place in Australia because I'm just not well-versed enough with the differences in our language and slang to even attempt.
0: Yeah, I just think yeah. of like Crocodile Dundee. That would be... <laughs> yeah, I know. so
2: the first step, do not do anything like Crocodile or Dundee. We're not like that at all. <laughs> oh, good I guess we're know. lucky because everything's um, like all your... Netflix series and your music and your tv shows are all American based so we Mm -hmm. have a bit more idea about your culture than you would about (laughs) ours I guess
0: it's weird to hear about like us referred to as like our culture
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you'd be surprised you'd be surprised
1: and especially if you're like writing something that's based in the U.S. like the Northeastern United States is very different cultural wise than like somewhere in the Southeast. And then that's really different from the West coast versus the Midwest. Like the U S is such a large and very different place depending on where you are geographically. So like the setting really matters in terms of how your characters are talking to each other and the different things that they're saying.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And like you wanted to sound reasonably authentic to a person who lived there. And so you don't want to become like a you know, like a trope of that person. Like uh, with Judge, who was Southern, I didn't want him to, to make him outrageously Southern, if you know what I mean. So I mm-hmm. usually just pick one or two little quirks that I know are Southern and then we'll add it in there. But I had this problem a lot with um, Eight Seconds to Fly, which is a bull riding RH. And uh, don't even get me started. Whose brilliant idea was that? <laughs> I just wanted a good reason to watch a lot of, you know, bull riding and guys in tight pants. But uh, <laughs> so I had to study that because there is a lot of people down the South that where well, that is a way of life. And I didn't want them to pick it up and say, this is complete and utter bullshit. So,
0: you know, it in the end it works, but it's a lot of research sometimes. I love hearing about your research process. I'm definitely going to have to check that one out. I'm like, oh, bull riding, tight pants, very into that. (laughs) (laughs) It it was a fun one. Like, it was. uh, I was at the end of writing uh,
2: Providence, which is the Damnation MC, and I had two months to before I had to really start working on uh, Pleasantly Undead, Undead and Dark River, which is book three of Dark River. And I'm like, you know what? I have like this idea for this tiny little novella. It'll be fun. I'll stick it in an anthology somewhere. It'll be fired. And I'm like my PA Hope um she organizes me and she's like okay but it can't be any more than 25,000 words you do not have time I'm like no nah, no nah, it'll be fine so 90,000 words later I'm like well this oh my gosh and I have made some serious mistakes but it was a hectic time but it's I think it's
0: arguably the best book I've ever written so it needed to be done Isn't that funny how, you know, you kind of set out to do one thing and the project just kind of morphs and changes to its own thing, and then you're like, oh, this is quite possibly the best book that I've written. That's amazing. (laughs) Uh, I um, often say, like, I'm
2: like a passenger in all these stories. Like, I start out thinking about how, where where I want the book to go. And like, you know, 20,000 words in, there's like three new characters, there's a random love interest that was meant to be a bad guy, and... I just
1: I really have absolutely no control I'm on the ride as much as anyone else so I love that I love that Uh, and Ashley mentioned that you had a conversation about one of the character uh, characters in Eden Academy that you initially set out to be one of the villains and ended up being a love interest and I love that these kind of things take you by surprise as the author just as much as they take us by surprise as the reader
2: Uh, they absolutely like Lucius Lucius was meant to be the bad guy he was meant to be my big bad for the next, you know, however many books. And then, like, I don't know, I'm just a sucker for, like, redeeming a bad guy. In all honesty, I can't help myself. But, um, you know, I thought, well, I'm sure that Rain, with the
1: power of her love, could totally change him. But I don't know. I, I feel like you and I are kindred spirits <laughs> in that sense. this is me falling in love with the Darkling throughout the entire Shadow and Bone series
2: (laughs) exactly you think you know what no one's all bad so surely you know if they were given the right opportunity that they could be decent people who could love and have a family and do all those things that normal people do with the right woman right
1: especially if they're hot especially if they're hot (laughs) It's the
2: sharp jawlines, it gets me every time. Oh, Henry Cavill
0: all day. Every day, ugh, it's terrible. He's got a girlfriend now, I'm very sad. Oh, but she's like amazing though. Uh, And I feel like their nerdy level will be on par, hopefully. (laughs) Their children will be smart and beautiful and uh, you can't even be mad about that. Some people just have it all. rain baxter how did you come up with that name did you use like a name generator did it come to you in like a dream (laughs) uh most
2: of the uh character names just you know i'm just walking around and think oh that's a good name and then i'll think of their name and then their story basically unravels around the person um with rain i can't really remember because i um started writing Newly Undead in Dark River, about oh, I don't know, eight years ago, and my writing wow at the time hated it, absolutely hated it. So I stuck it in a drawer, and I forgot about it. And then um, once the redeemable got quite big, I thought, oh well, what am I going to do now? And I pulled it out and started reading it, and then got mad at myself because I was only half finished. What happened next? So, you know, I can't couldn't even email the writer and say hurry up because I was the writer. So I don't really remember with Rain, but with most other characters, I'll think of their name and then from their name comes what they look like and from that comes their story and, yeah, it's a bit of a process, I
0: guess. And that kind of leads into our next question too. Um, You know, who was your inspiration for each member of the harem? Like, do you just make them up out of thin air or have any of them based, you know, been based on past boyfriends or celebrities or people you've known? I wish they were based on past boyfriends.
2: <laughs> 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 Dare to Drew. Um, no, n- not necessarily. Like, the vast majority of them are just, I'll, you know, I'll start with their name and then I'll think about what they would look like in my head. They're not based on anyone except Tex. Tex from Dark River is very much based on Andy Black from Black Veil Brides. Um, right down to his mannerisms because uh my uh my cover artist who was once my beta reader had a massive obsession with um well she does still have a massive obsession with metal music and she was trying to indoctrinate me into metal music and the only way she could do that (laughs) was with the prettiness of andy beersack andy black um from black veil brides so here's my little tribute to that
1: i'm literally looking at pictures of him right now
0: (laughs) he's very pretty well i'm i meant to send sam earlier that um someone did message me and say that you had a pinterest board and some of the characters you know they're on the pinterest board um
2: i do i like so after i'm done uh usually i'll i'll spend the very hard hours trolling through hot guys on pinterest to try and find, you know, someone who fits as much as possible with what, you know, with my vision, I guess. And um, so that's how the Pinterest board come about. And they have little character cards on there. And, you know, undeniably, they're all extremely attractive. I don't know how that happens. But, yeah, it's. I know a lot of people are visual people. And, you know, it's nice to have an idea of where I was going, I guess.
0: Okay, so Sam just sent me a picture of him. And he is... Like, what I would also picture as Tex. <laughs> well, he's then I did beautiful. my job right. <laughs> he has the line. prettiest
2: eyes. I know. He's So beautiful. And, like, he's got, he looks like he's about 12, but he's, he, I think he's 30 something. And he's got the deepest voice. And you think,
0: huh, that does not match, but okay. And, like, just the idea of someone look like him making out with Judge. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't, um, yeah, right. X is the other one who is pretty um who I've got a pretty good idea was and he was a Marshall Perrin he who's a model and firefighter like I was sold uh from Canada I think he was and you'll see him around he's on a lot of um RH covers I'm trying to think who has him Amo, jo- Amo Jones I think has him on one um but yes if you google Marshall
1: Perrin already found him don't yep. you worry <laughs> you're welcome he's delicious but this this is us for the rest of the podcast just looking at pictures of beautiful men
0: (laughs) it's a hard job and grace if i have your permission i can take some of these and post them on our you know instagram or on our stories if our listeners are interested absolutely like the pinterest board is publicly available so go crazy
1: don't worry ash i sent you that picture too
0: (laughs) thank you (laughs) um and if you could I know it's hard because it's your own book it's your own labor of love but could you rank the dark river harem for us if you can oh it's like ask me who's my favorite child um <laughs> <laughs> all right so for like the first two books
2: it was always text text is my favorite and then x come along which is short for executioner um just to complicate my life between text and x but um and then it was X. It's always X. Every day of the week, he's, you know, my favourite character, full stop, I think. Um, so
1: we're, we're all in agreement there, then. That's good to know.
2: <laughs> uh, yep. <laughs> so I'd probably go X, Tex, uh, Judge. Oh, it's a toss-up between Lucius and Walker. Probably Lucius, Walker, and then Nico, I think. And what about Brody? Oh, Brody. Shit. This, this <laughs> is what... I have to go through them in my head. Brody. Mmm. Brody be. Yeah, okay. Judge, then Brody, then Lucius, then Walker, then Nico. I do love Brody. Oh, I feel bad for leaving, I'm so it, leaving him out now. I'm sorry. The forgotten child.
0: goes in the bottom. <laughs> he was,
2: he's like the middle child you always forget about. Um, <laughs> no, Brody definitely wouldn't be the bottom. I love him. He's great. He was like... Uh, Dark River was originally written as um, straight MF, and it was with Walker and Rain, that was gonna, was just going to be straight MF and then Brody popped up and he is um, just too delicious, not to add. So that was going to be a love triangle, but I hate love triangles. I think they're the most redundant thing ever. So then I'm kind of glad that it sat in my drawer for so long because that was before RH, well before RH, so.
1: Why have a love triangle when you can just have all the guys? That's right, exactly. The core of reverse harem. No one has to choose. <laughs> that's exactly right.
0: It could have been a reverse tri, like a reverse triangle.
1: This is <laughs> a triangle,
0: Ashley. It could have been a love triangle that turned into like a menage romance. That... But I'm very happy that it took the direction that it did. Yeah, me too. And uh, this is going to be another difficult question, but. If you could create a mega harem of five to seven guys from all the different series that you've read or dream guys, who would you pick for your harem? Oh my, what kind of question is that? Uh, all right. <laughs> an
1: impossible one.
0: It is an impossible one. All right.
2: Um, So I'm a massive Catherine Moon fangirl. So like part of me just is like straight up, just pick one of hers and I'll have that. But um, if I had to choose from different different series is, i'd say um shadow from crystal ashes uh steel demon series have you guys read that
1: no not no yet. but oh. i am reading um ashley told me i needed to read lola and the millionaire so that's what i'm currently reading right now of hers uh, so good absolutely like wonderful um so yes if you're reading
2: that caleb from lola and the millionaires like
1: oh I love him
2: he's so good um and he's kind of like the he's kind of in the background for a little while but you know he's just so sweet um who else um Illy from Butcher of the Bay uh, and um Prep Yes, he loves Illy! a bit of crazy
1: hot tattooed uh, cake I love him so much I've been r- raving to Ashley about how obsessed I am with the Hannaford Prep series oh it's it is so
2: good um who else? Oh, okay. So this one's not R.H., but Jericho Barrons from Karen Marie Moaning's Fever series. I don't know if yes.
0: you guys read that one Yes, huh. yes, I have read it. <laughs> yeah, did you did you like it? Yes, I. I mean, yes, but I feel like it was kind of drawn out and. Oh but yes i have enjoyed like what i've read of the series i haven't completed it but um i was like really big into um the sookie stackhouse series so that kind of like snowballed over into reading like the dark fever series and but oh, oh my yeah. gosh jericho barrens is just so like angsty and oh so hot absolutely so, <laughs> so hot all right and so let's say
2: five's a good number okay who else uh, probably um, Kion from Brutal Boys of Everlake Prep by um, the sisters,
1: Caroline and Suzanne. Aww.
2: Yeah, yes, I think we love them. We love them. Ah, oh, yeah, they're so amazing. Their new series is just the um the spinoff of the Brutal Boys of Everlake Prep is so good. I just love that level of crazy.
0: <laughs> oh, the Death Club.
1: <laughs> Any anything with more Nile, uh, we are hundred percent on board with totally behind that it's so good but yes I think that's about it
2: (laughs) she said that's that's enough (laughs) penises that's right I'm like Saturday and Sunday is for me because I can't juggle that many guys it's just it seems (laughs) unrealistic
0: yeah that was like how I felt in Lola and the millionaires I was like this is kind of almost too much for me going on like I mean she's just going at it like constantly (laughs) with them right it's just like
2: sometimes you need to hydrate lucky they all like each other too in all honesty otherwise you would just be like constantly dehydrated and and having to nap all the time and your
1: vagina would hate you (laughs) exactly
0: yeah i'm like just like is this in a world where yeast infections aren't a thing because i don't like i just don't think that that would be doable for me
2: (laughs) (laughs) absolutely Thank God, it's fantasy, you know? That's the thing about reverse harems. I think it's it's kind of as fun as it sounds in theory, and it sounds like fun. um, I think in practice, my God,
1: that would be just absolutely exhausting. Sometimes I don't want someone all up on me. I just need my alone time, please.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, you definitely don't get that when you're a part of a reverse harem. (laughs) Um, And we had, you know, some thoughts about Miranda. Um, Would you ever consider like a spinoff series about Miranda and the witches or a book about her time with Judge and X? Um, You know, maybe like a short story compilation or a novella or something? Oh, um, Absolutely, I would.
2: Miranda is getting her own book. Um, And the problem is I have no time and too many stories. Um, But yes, Miranda has her own book. Basically, roughly plotted out in my brain, with um, Alexander the Dragon and Titus and um, a guy called Wild, who's the convocation member for the witches. So like a oh, real I high, love that real high powered harem and full of angst, which is in drama, which is going to be amazing. But yeah, um, it's definitely coming, and I, I like Miranda as a character. I think she's kind of um, contentious. Because you yeah. either love her, like you guys said last week, you either love her or you hate her, but you <laughs> like the idea of her. and it's just, it's it makes you feel things, and that's my job, I guess, basically as a writer. But she's, you know, um, a witch in a, a strong witch in a in a very high powered situation with lots of other like high powered soups. So she's just a bit of a badass, really.
1: And that was why I had so many conflicting feelings about her because I am all for the really strong female characters and like the bonding between female characters and i that's what i want to see more but i was i didn't know how you wanted her to be perceived like did you want her to be perceived like she's an ex we don't like her or was it more of like that gray area of it can really go either way
2: (laughs) yeah i think i was i was aiming for gray area because i'm i'm kind of against that whole idea of women competing against other women like every other woman is a is a possible contender like a threat uh but with Miranda I you know everyone has their own feelings you can't just push everyone into either the villain or some kind of fluffy feminine not feminist, fluffy women power you know we're all nice to each other let's put it on a crown kind of thing people are complicated and if you're an long-lived immortal you're even more complicated I think you know Mm -hmm. you haven't got your shit together just because you've lived a long time I think (laughs) you'd you'd be even worse off so I I wanted her to be have a um a complex background I guess and a complex backstory with Judge Ed X and um and I wanted Rain to feel conflicted like about her as well whether because she's helping them out in her own way. She's helping them out. She hasn't done anything negative to them except to judge his testicles, but you know, <laughs> generally speaking, she's not a bad person, but Rain and by extension me, I guess, just didn't know how to feel about her and I think that's what makes her such an excellent character.
1: I agree. I like that you went for morally grey instead of just making it woman against woman.
2: Agree. Yeah, exactly. It's you know there's too there's too much of that. I think you know it, it's not a competition and too much of life is pitted that way you know on social media and in books and on television that if you can't have two female characters in a story unless they're
0: you know adversaries and that's not how mm-hmm. it goes it's not true and i'm fully expecting you know if you write this book about miranda i'm expecting that i'll go from someone who didn't like her to someone who does like her that's pretty much exactly what happened with me um in the Sarah J Maas book, A Court of Silver Flames, with uh, her character Nesta. I know you haven't read the books, but they're super good. Um, And, you know, you get this in-depth background that you didn't have before, and it just completely changes your entire view on the character. So I'm sure that something like that will happen for me with Miranda.
1: Yeah, I feel like the more you see from a character's point of view, the more willing you are to see things from their side, and you're like, you're more empathetic to whatever it is that's going yeah. on in their brain. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Um I kind of I kind of make it my goal, I guess, to um to put in hard characters and then make people love them. Like Lucius at the end of Happily Undead, I um before he became an option as a Harem member, I put a poll in my Facebook group and I'm like, you know, Lucius, how do we feel about him? And the vast majority of votes wanted me to kill him off like they they hated him absolutely hated him and um i'm like well you know what i'm just i'm gonna try and make you love him and see if i can if that's something in my skill set as a writer that i can make (laughs) you love someone that you've hated
1: well it worked on me
0: (laughs) (laughs) yay (laughs) and he is so funny like just such a good character
1: his just his interactions with Rain when he's like trying to court her and has no idea what presents to get her and it's like no you'll you'll love these puppies because humans love puppies and it's like no not when they're also people Lucius. <laughs> <laughs> you can't give people as gifts is just not what you do.
2: It's better than probably better than seven heads but <laughs> marginally not. Uh, I don't know he's a funny character. I did like him and the, the, the idea of giving you know a, a puppy uh, as a gift is just insane but giving a child as a gift is and like he didn't see anything wrong with it whatsoever and he's a fun he's just I really like him as a character he stretched me as a as a writer and I, I like that so he's my favorite
1: and in Eden Academy when he's like my daughter deserves uh hearts and flowers and he means literal human hearts <laughs> hearts and
0: flowers <laughs> yeah, <no.
2: laughs> Monster's like, I eat hearts, and even though I kind of think that's weird, but okay. Yeah,
1: Monster was
0: like, that's not right. what that saying means. <laughs> I just, I love him. He's great. He is. Um, and we did talk a little bit about um the, you know, the sweet Omegaverse and Catherine Moon. Um, Would you consider writing an Omegaverse series of your own? Because I think you could do it so well. Uh. Well, thank you. No one writes
2: um, sweet Omegaverse the way that Catherine Moon does. I'm like a massive fangirl. Honestly, I'm pretty sure she's like one more uh, DM away from putting out a restraining order on me. But (laughs) um, yeah, (laughs) I think there are plans. There are definitely plans in the works to do an Omegaverse. And I'll, you know, because I'm such a Catherine Moon mega fan... I, it has to be completely different, and I've resisted doing it for so long because there's a bit of professional, you know, courtesy in there to try not to tromp on other people's successful tropes, basically. You know, you have to follow the trends, but you don't want to copy the trends, if you know what I mean.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that has to be a really fine line.
2: <laughs> it is, it's a, an incredibly fine line, and you know, we pour our hearts and souls and everything into these things, and we try and make them original and we try to make them different and we try to make them entertaining for readers so they don't feel like they're reading the same thing over and over again but there's no such thing as a new idea and so there's always going to be someone out there that's like I think you might have copied my book but it's it's hard but it's very satisfying in its own way so yes I would write in a megaverse watch this space it will be different a little bit different to anything I think that has been seen in reverse harem so far so it's a little hush hush but watch this space so if it would happened. definitely be
1: a reverse harem omegaverse not just a standard romance omegaverse
2: yeah i i'm i think i'm pretty much locked down to the reverse
1: harem niche for, <laughs> for That's a long good time to know. yet
0: <laughs> good because so are we <laughs>
1: So you mentioned that you enjoy the Hannaford Prep series. And as I also mentioned, I'm obsessed with it currently. And one of my favorite things about Hannaford Prep is the friendship between uh, Avery and Lips. So, so far out of the stories that I've read, that strong female friendship isn't really something that you seem to be focused on in in your books. Is that something you think you'll develop moving forward?
2: Can I add Avery to my, to my ideal harem? Cause she is badass. I just love
1: Absolutely. her. Absolutely. Oh. I love her character so much. She is so good.
2: Um, it, the, the general designated female friend concept is one I do struggle with because I, I find that they tend to go either female characters that aren't the main female lead tend to go one or two ways. They're either adversaries or they're like mm-hmm. a cookie cutter version of the best friend if you know what I mean they're just there to bounce the FMC's feelings about you know the harem off or you know there to be generally protective like they they're all fitted to the same mold I guess and I didn't want to do any character like that you know and um so yeah I've kind of just avoided it so far but in the future maybe I think there's definitely space to have um, – oh, and they're always gay. They're either always lesbian, which uh, it annoys me because it's like you can't think that you can't have a best friend that isn't going to be interested in the main you know, male characters, and that annoys me. I don't know why.
0: but um, I think that there's like a really good example in um, The Featherstone Academy by Casey Keene. Um, Luna and Red's relationship. I mean, I think that you know they do balance each other, but uh, Red is still very much her own person. I mean, yeah, you know, as you find out in her, you know, the two books in the series that are her books. But I think that that was done really well. Yeah, and, you know, she's she's not a
2: lesbian. She's not a lesbian. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. There's definitely some beautiful examples of like good female friendships, like like Avery and Lips and. Um, the Featherstone Academy with Red. Like, there's definitely some great examples out there. But there's also some terrible examples. Um, Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely something I'm interested in doing it. And you know it's going to happen. They're just going to end up with their own spin-off series because I can't help it with side characters. (laughs) But, like, I'll try. And it's, I think it's a little bit um, my, my method of writing as well. Like, I tend to write um, less emotionally based plot lines and more action based plot lines, which mm. you know it makes it hard to do an actual friendship, justice, even unless they're on along for the ride. If you know what I mean. So maybe one day, yeah, one day when I sit down and try try and actually stretch my skills as a writer and do um, a more um, less plot-driven and more character-driven story
1: we can't all have a best friend like Avery who will plot world domination with us
2: I just love her <laughs> I, I, if I, you know if I'm gonna have a best friend that's exactly who I want
1: <laughs> so when I first started reading your books I was amazed by all of the different supernatural beings that you include uh, you have just an incredibly diverse range Why is it that you chose so many different types of supernaturals to include in your writing?
2: Um, Obviously, because
1: I'm a sucker for pain. I think
2: Um, (laughs) (laughs) when I was a kid, I was a massive, massive mythology buff. Which is oh, me too, me too, me too. Doesn't yeah, doesn't surprise me at all. And I think, uh, generally speaking, it's just because I wanted to put all these fun monsters out there, like. of werewolves and vampires they're all fun and, you know everyone's written them they're well versed in the in the genre but the problem is that when you get um, supernatural creatures like um, vampires and werewolves or, or shifters there's there's so many of those stories that it's almost like a, a set of rules that mm-hmm. have just been ingrained in the literature after a while you know garlic and the sun and that kind of thing and if um you change it you kind of so you are kind of stuck in that stricture if you change it it can be jarring to the reader so i guess what i like about throwing out wendigos and uh, you know i've got a series on the um the freet and gosh i don't know all sorts of crazy things i can make the rules and i can adapt it to however i need it to, to go in the story so it's usually it's part because i love mythology and part because i'm lazy and don't want to have to <laughs> you know, research all the different rules that go along with those creatures. So
1: I have to ask, why angels? Because that's not a typical supernatural being you see in most stories.
2: <laughs> that's a good question. Um, mainly it's because of The Redeemable, which if I don't know if you guys have read it, but it's about um, a dying woman and the seven deadly sins. And Lucifer the devil. So if you're going to have Lucifer the devil, you have to have god and like it's how I haven't been I'm not um, I'm not I'm I'm not a religious person I'm agnostic but uh so I have to treat everyone's beliefs with you know care and and um yeah sensitivity sensitivity thank you so cuz you know everyone can believe whatever they like it's I'm very inclusive like that but mm-hmm. because I was doing a um, story on seven deadly sins and lucifer and who was had a bet with god he, the angels just generally seem to be the next step and then i like the idea of creating um taking something that was meant to be perfect and dirtying it up a bit and giving it them him um, you know real world emotions and real world ambitions and those things that make you human and adding it to something that was very much not meant to be human if you know what i mean yeah, so I did like yeah I do like the angels they're um, they're great and who doesn't like wings in all honesty those things are amazing I'm they convinced
1: are. that Sarah J Maas has a wing kink because every single <laughs> <laughs> every single
0: book she writes the love interest has wings of some kind yeah and you haven't even read House of Earth and Blood yet <laughs> but I know that that guy has wings see this proves my point <laughs> uh, I get it but Sarah
2: J Maas I get it.
0: <laughs> and I mean like the descriptions of like this like the female main characters like stroking them and things like that oh it's very sensual <laughs> it does seem very
2: sensual doesn't it I mean I, you, you, you try not to think about like the actual logistics of sleeping with someone next to someone who has wings I mean <laughs>
0: and how terrible that would be
2: yeah absolutely it'd be pokey and it would be they'd take up so much room that like, if you're just going with the fantasy of it, they'd be downy soft and it'd be beautiful.
0: <laughs> Stick and with I mean, fantasy. Not to mention all, like, the sexual positions you could perform in the air. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That'd be
2: joining the Mile
1: High Club in a whole different way. I don't
0: think that <laughs> I am confident
1: enough for sky sex. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other level right there. It really is. All right. Where was I? In my list of questions. Ah, so you just told us that you're locked into the reverse harem genre. So what are your thoughts and feelings on monogamy as a social construct? Ah, oh, this is a very interesting
2: question. Um, I think monogamy as a social construct is, a. I think it's a relatively time-wise recent and um, not particularly you know, efficient idea of relationships i mean the idea that one person could be everything another person needs is it's ridiculous it's ridiculous in no other part of life do you expect one person to do everything that you need to be done so i think you know the idea of uh, polygamy and polyamory is just hopefully it becomes more socially acceptable because it's, the world is hard and the world is complicated and if
0: having more than one person to lean on is can only be a good thing. I think that's a really nice way of looking at it. I definitely agree and you know as a parent I could understand how having more people to lean on when parenting especially now that we live in a society where you know it's not like years ago where your in-laws lived with you or helped take care of your children. I mean most of us are working parents you know have jobs or multiple jobs and it can be difficult to parent you know without an extra hand to lean on so I mean I could understand how being in a polyamorous relationship or a harem type situation where you have other people to help with that I mean it would be so nice yeah it really would be and I mean it's not just
2: with raising kids it's like the cost of living like to a one-person income is not enough anymore. You have to have a two-person income, and it, you're, you're right. Where does that leave the you know the time you need to be a family? It's just gone. So, you know, a three-person household would be even better. And if like if you're gonna have three, you most well have five, uh, one for each <laughs> streaming service: Netflix, Hulu, <laughs> Disney Plus
1: capitalism wants us to be polyamorous that's what i'm hearing
2: (laughs) i think you know what let's not fight capitalism on this one normally i'm like you know against the man but let's go capitalism polyamory i love it oh
0: my gosh grace is such like a kindred spirit with us sam
1: grace is gonna be our next permanent co-host on the podcast (laughs) oh goodness uh so a little bit of a fun question. If you could be any type of supernatural, what would it be, Grace?
2: Ooh, that is a tough one. Um, nothing that was immortal. I can't think of anything worse than living forever,
1: in all honesty. Me either. Uh. I am 100% on the same page with you there.
2: You'd <laughs> no, go crazy. Um, I think maybe one of the shifters. Like, I'd like to shift into something fun. Maybe um, a snow leopard shifter like Ghost from um, Dark River. I think... I like the snow leopards. They're cute. They're like giant cats.
1: That would be
0: pretty cool. I was really sad that we didn't touch on Ghost more when we did the Dark River episode. But it's just, you know, there's so much content in three books that it's hard to include <laughs> every single thing that you want to talk about. Uh, so I couldn't imagine when you're writing a book and, you know, you want to discuss so many things, but the books can only be so long. Yeah, this is why I end up with so many spin-off novels.
2: I'm like, oh, Ghost, look at your tragic background. You definitely need a novel. And I just
1: don't, there's
2: not enough time in the day.
1: I love that Rain was being a wingman for Ghost with Annie.
2: It's cute, isn't it? Poor old Ghost. And he's freaking out. He's like, you know what? It's been this way for a while now. Stop. But he needs a bit of
1: a kick, I think, Ghost. He does. He's too comfortable. He needs someone to kick him in gear.
2: That's exactly right. He's a sweetheart, though. I really love Ghost
1: so you know that we love how so many of the characters you write are sexually fluid or identify as bisexual why did you choose to do that as a writer
2: Uh, i guess it kind of comes back to similar to the polyamory discussion in that you know i think sexuality as it stands now or maybe is maybe as it stood five years ago um was very much societal based you know there's society told you that you could only love one person and society told you that it was bad to love someone of the same gender and um so I think you know I like bisexuality in my stories because I think if I'm going to create a world where people could shift into animals and it's got so many different hierar- hierarchies and angels and stuff exist of course I'm going to allow you to love whoever you want to love and you know it doesn't matter if you're bisexual or straight or whatever, you know, that's not, you know, it's not the main part of your character. Plus, MM -hmm. MM is a very hot, (laughs) very hot little... Yes,
1: (laughs) it is. And we like that here, yeah. (laughs) We do like that here, Grace. You are 100% right.
2: (laughs) But yes, I mean, and honestly, if we're going to have polyamory, we need to embrace this because, as you said... That's a lot of hard work if they're not interested in each other because what would you do for the rest of your day? Someone's always going to feel like they're missing out. You've only got two arms and, you know,
1: seven nights in a week. So they need to take some of the load off. They can, <laughs> they can do their own thing. Exactly. in exactly. that burden. So we, Ashley and I read the first Eden Academy book this week and we were talking to each other about it. We really enjoyed it. Um, And I know that the next book in the series is about Enid, and it is going to be another reverse harem. I kind of got the feeling that her harem might include a woman. Is that going to be the case? It
2: is. It is the case. Um, Stacy. Stacy's a wonderful character. Um, I thought really long and hard about this one, because despite what I just literally just said for the last 30 minutes, um, FF, like Female-on-female female, uh, relationships in RH aren't as re- as well-received as, say, MM, you know? It's a strange quirk of the trope, I guess. And Why so do you I think really that is?
1: Um,
2: I don't know. I don't know. Because I f- it's the way it was, the way MM was uh, about three years ago as well, it was kind of as people decided that it wasn't a true reverse harem. If the other members of the harem essentially were with each other, so in a true polyamorous sense, so I still get some that comment sometimes that you know I don't consider it a reverse harem because Tex and Judge have their own relationship as well, um, and I think it's kind of just the last vestige of that feeling that you can't have FF in a harem because you can't have more than one woman in a harem, and I Stacy who's my who's the female love interest has absolutely no interest in the in the guys in the harem anyway but um yeah it's just i think it's just that last little residual idea that reverse harems can only be one woman and three or more men
1: i love that you're breaking that structure i feel like you're i feel like it's a great change i agree and i mean i don't know if you guys have tiktok but i would not oh, almost co- certainly <laughs> classed
2: myself as bisexual but have you seen some of those lesbian thirst traps oh my god
1: yes i have what does that say about me that those are on my for you page
2: (laughs) (laughs) exactly but you know i I, if anything says gender is i mean sexuality is fluid it's those thirst traps and i'm just like wow okay but i I need
0: you to share some of those with. uh, i'm sorry i
1: wanted to talk about lesbian thirst traps a little bit more there was a (laughs) time like two weeks ago when March Madness was happening where one of the women's basketball players was all over my for you page and she had like three different TikTok accounts and all three of them kept coming up and I was talking to my husband about it I was like this girl Sedona keeps coming up on my for you page like she's beautiful she's like a seven foot two woman who plays basketball for Oregon and Andrew looks at me and he's like well, why do you think that she keeps coming up on your for you page, <laughs> Sam?
2: <laughs> like, that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get it. I get it. You know, um, but yeah. So with uh, Stacey and and Enid in um, in Sweethearts and Savages, which is book two of Eden Academy, um, when I went to write it, she, uh, I this the way the story told me to go, and I was really hesitant to do it, like. I did want to uh, ostracize my readers, and I didn't want to tone it back and like offend people who were, you know, LGBTQI. You know, I didn't want to like mm-hmm. pare it down like it was something bad. Um, Stacey was an interesting, interesting character in her own way, anyway, because she's a genius. I don't, uh, I don't know. If, yeah, you would see her in in um, Academy One. But uh, she's a genius and she's like 17. She's got like two PhDs. She's a genius. And I think uh, she's also asexual or demisexual, I guess, because if you knew the things that you would know from adult psychology and adult medicine as you were maturing, I can't imagine that that wouldn't have an effect. On mm-hmm. your view on relationships and sexual relationships, because if you know what's income, you're not going to want it. You know, you don't. You're not going to want to put it in your mouth. And where people have been, <laughs> and uh, in the story in Sweethearts, I have a line that says, "Psychology is love's executioner," basically, because once you know the uh, biological and psychological imperative for the feeling of love, could you ever trust? That what you're feeling isn't just some biological urge or is it some, that mystical idea of love. You know. So Stacey's well, I call her Enid sexual because she just loves Enid. But That's really cute. Yeah, she's very cute. I couldn't resist in that way. Um, so yeah. When I was doing it I thought, well, now I'm gonna offend people if I put F if F on it and then but she is you know, she is demisexual and so she's not going to they're not going to have these outrageous sex scenes because it's not going to match your character and people are going to think I'm doing that because I'm pandering and it's a whole thing. But in the end, I just went with it because that's what the characters wanted and, you know, that's who I
1: work for, basically, the characters. So They have a mind around own, And I love that. <sighs> they do. So I wanted to know, uh, one of our favourite authors, Caroline Packham and <laughs> Suzanne, who we were just talking about, they create uh, Spotify playlists for like every book that they write. And I was curious if you do something similar, like is there a soundtrack or a playlist that you have in mind when you're writing certain books or series?
2: Uh, t- to a degree. So um, when I start a book, I'll create an, an extensive playlist. And basically I just, that I think fits the story. And then I just won't listen to anything ever again until the book is done. <laughs> and sometimes it's, fun and sometimes it's like an entire playlist of country music like i did for the for eight seconds to fly the bull rider one so (laughs) that was interesting (laughs) but i don't tend to publish them the way that um the sisters do because i don't want anyone judging my terrible taste in music probably but (laughs) uh, i wrote an mf uh called the last note i have to think about all my books now called the last note and it is musically based and it has its own playlist um that's public uh, because it's such a music-based story that it could only you know enhance it i love that
0: that's go on sam
1: ash did you want to read our uh listener question
0: yes um so we got this question from greek.books with two s's on instagram um, what other characters is she going to write She Is In Grace books around? Can we expect brand new characters or side characters that we learn more about? Also, I'm a huge fan and binge read all of her books. Smiley face, thank you. Oh, that's so sweet. Well, thank you for
2: reading all my books. Um, yes, f- I'll have both new characters and a ton of spin off novels. Um, I, ch- I try to temper the amount of spin off novels that I do because one people feel that the need to have like they have to go back and read every other book first which was my problem with Eden is that people felt that they had to go and read every single series that I'd ever written where they all cross over there um and and I kind of I get bogged down I guess in in the one universe and that starts to grind after a while like I've been in the Dark River slash Eden Academy universe for nearly 12 months and in all honesty it's <laughs> starting to hate it but um so i know oh no it's it's kind of like having those um having your best friend is a roommate basically right so they move in it's exciting for like the first three months and then they start leaving their towels on the floor and eat, drinking your milk and you know leaving the cheese out and you think wow that's really annoying but you still love them but you know, the little <laughs> things start to grate. So I, I'll i do, um, I'm going to do a, a secret, super secret project next and then I'll come back to in Academy 3, probably. But yes, spin off novels.
0: Miranda's getting a book. So this question is from Chloe Campbell and it's, when will the goat farmer be making an appearance? <laughs> um Chloe
2: Campbell is just a I don't, shout out to Chloe. She is just an absolute, the sweetest little thing. Um, and she's a massive goat fanatic. A massive goat fanatic. And um, she said, Will someone write me a story about a girl who, you know, and I think inherits a goat farm? Um, and I said, Yeah, sure, I'll do it. Uh, <laughs> eventually, Chloe, I'll get to it
1: eventually, I promise. She has a lot of them on her plate right now, Chloe. <laughs> <laughs> There's
2: a
0: lot, a lot to As be done. As a lover of um, goats, I am also these. very interested in reading that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's so cute. No, she's. I love baby goats. Like I, I could watch baby goat videos all day. It is yes, and the baby. fainting
0: goats. So cool. Ah, oh,
2: so cute. I know, I know they're probably scared. That's why they faint. But it's just adorable. They do it at their own shadow sometimes. It's just, it's just cute. Baby goat shifters. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> no, that'd be weird. Just normal fainting goat shifters. <laughs> so what's coming up for you, Grace? What should people know about? Uh, so coming up on the 26th of May, uh, Sweethearts and Savages, which is book two of Eden Academy, is coming out. Um, you know, I as hard as it has been to write, I've really enjoyed it. And it's a really... Um, exciting edgy receipt a little bit different kind of book so hopefully everyone will get on board and love it um other than that dark i should i should say this so the dark river series is not a trilogy and dark river 4 will be out by the end of the year um it'll have a bit of a time lapse between when the kids went uh, to the academy so it'll be about i don't know 16 or 17 years later but they will be back and we will be back in dark river so it's, I, uh, I wrote it as an ongoing series. So when I, i planned to do it, I thought I'll make it an ongoing kind of episodic series and that with no real end date and I'll try not to leave it on cliffhangers. The cliffhanger thing did not really work, but uh, <laughs> the ongoing bit has. So hopefully I'll have that out by the end of the year and then watch this space for the, my super secret project that I'm starting next.
0: That's so exciting. I'm so happy to hear that. I am smiling so wide right now because <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs>
2: no, I got. Uh, I guess people are just used to be doing trilogies. So I've got a lot of, oh, this is a great way to end the series. I'm like, but no, there's still so more to go. I still have, we got to, you know, embrace Lucius as a not crazy person and she's, you know the member of the convocation and we gotta have her navigating that kind of political landscape there's so much more to do and so much more to you know play with and quite frankly i'm just not ready to leave dark river i love it
1: (laughs) well that just made my night i'm now incredibly excited for the end of this year i know (laughs) sure um come
2: and visit me at grace's bookish angels on facebook um you can also find me on Instagram at Grace McGinty Author. Uh, yeah, or on, on TikTok, but mostly it's just me looking at half naked men on TikTok. There's not much content there, but I do <laughs> plan to do it sometime. Uh, yeah, other than that, we're all good.
1: All right. Uh, so, books that we're reading this week. To no one's surprise, I finished The Crown of Gilded Bones in a day and a half, and I have a lot of feelings about it, (laughs) and I'm waiting for Ash to finish it so I can rant to her about all of my feelings. Um, I also read Brutal, which is the third book in the Saints and Sinners series, which I'm obsessed with. Um, I don't know how this author is doing it but she's putting out one of these books every month so the fourth and final book is coming out next month and I'm really excited to read the end of the series but I am just incredibly impressed at the pace that she's publishing these books um, Ashley told me Ashley and uh, my friend Sarah both told me that I needed to read uh, Baby in the Late Night Howlers and Lola and the Millionaires they bullied me into it so (laughs) I read both of those well I only got through Lola and the Millionaires part one this week I'm currently reading part two and then like we already said I also read Rebels and Runaways this week how about you
0: Ash? I read Baby and the Late Night Howlers and Lola and the Millionaires one and two by Catherine Moon I also read Rebels and Runaways uh, Eden Academy book one Um, and then this week I plan on reading uh, the Crown of Gilded Bones because I love the blood, in, the From Blood and Ash series, and Sam is like, please, you need to read this. Um, and I mean, honestly, like, I need to find out if the threesome is gonna happen. Like, I'm heavily invested in this. No spoilers. Um, I have, I have, oh shit, <laughs> I have managed not <laughs> to ask Sam about it. <laughs> I've thought about asking her, but I want to just read it and be surprised. Um, so I'm going to be reading that. I'm also going to reread Lords of Pain in preparation for our next episode, and I'll be starting Hannaford Prep.
1: Oh, I need to say what I want to read this week. Um, I'm going to finish Lola and the Millionaires Part 2, and then I want to start reading the Evergreen Academy series by Ruby Vincent, because Ruby Vincent is the one who is doing all of the Saints and Sinners series, too. And I really enjoy the way that she writes. So I'm excited to jump into that. And was there anything else I wanted to read this week? I can't remember right now. I'm sure there is. And I'll talk about how I read it in the next week's episode. But yes, I also need to reread Lords of Pain in preparation for our episode. All right. Any closing or final thoughts?
0: I don't think so. Grace, did you want to add anything that you are currently reading? (laughs) Funnily enough, I'm actually reading Saint by Ruby Vincent. I finished that hey today hey. and I wanted to
2: cash. So I'm glad Brutal is awesome. Um, I don't think Ruby Vincent gets enough love. I think she she writes wonderfully. And, I really um, enjoyed it. Yeah, I like the um. Was did she do the Break Battles series too? I don't know. I'm very bad with names. Surprisingly enough, but yeah, no, she's she's great, and I think she you know she needs a few more accolades. Uh, other than that, I have been working vigorously at editing, so I never get any time to read, which is the worst part about being an author. you just <laughs> It's always deadlines, never reading time.
1: Well, thank you so much for giving us a little bit of your very busy time to come and join us. We really enjoyed having you on today. Thank
2: you
0: for letting me be your very first interview. I am so excited. This, I've had a great time. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm so happy that, you know, you had the time to sit and talk with us. It really means a lot to us, and we love your books so much, and you're absolutely the sweetest. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you for reading. I
2: I absolutely, you know, adored the podcast last week, so thank you for having me
1: on. I'm sure we'll talk about more of your series in the future as we uh, read some more of them. So many books, so little time, so I know how that is. Oh my goodness, that is the truth. All right. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Smut and Spice. We hope you'll join us next week as we sit down to discuss our honest thoughts and feelings on the controversial book, Lords of Pain. Please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Smut and Spice Pod. We'd love it if you would share our podcast with friends and on social media. If you have any book recommendations, send them our way. And if you're an author who's interested in appearing on an episode like Grace, reach out. We would love to have you. A special thanks to our technical producer, Andrew, and to our graphic designer, Lainey, for our amazing logo. The intro and outro music featured on S'mutton Spice is District 4 by Kevin MacLeod. The link and licensing information can be found in the episode description. Thank you so much for joining us.
0: Bye. Bye.